I'm Ian Rodwell and welcome to the Linklater's Ideas Foundry, where we talk about and try to unpick the art of working together in the 21st century organisation. And my guest today is Dr Sharon Varney, author of a superb new book, Leadership in Complexity and Change. Sharon worked at the sharp end as a senior manager in various sectors, including financial services, oil and gas, and now runs her own consulting practice, Space for Learning. Her biggest client is Henley Business School, which is where we met, and where, among other things, we ended up helping to design a board game based on collaboration. Today, though, we are going to focus on the topic of complexity in leadership. We'll try to unpack what it is exactly, and why it's something we should all pay attention to. And, as always, we'll conclude with three actions you can take to bring a complexity approach into your day-to-day working life. So, Sharon, welcome to the Ideas Foundry. Thank you, Ian. Delighted to be here today. Well, I'm going to start with a classic question, which is, imagine you're in a lift, uh, the chief executive steps in, and she says, Sharon, I've heard you've written a book about complexity. Can you tell me what complexity is before we reach the ground floor? Absolutely. Well, thank you for starting with a nice, easy question. It's a bit of a trick question, Ian, because you can't actually simplify complexity by breaking it into parts because that's what makes it complex. But what I can do in the 30 seconds before we reach the ground floor is just just highlight three things that you need to know about complexity. So so the first one is um, complexity means that things are entangled. And so unintended consequences come for for free. We saw this with the pandemic and uh, when lockdowns came in, they were very effective at reducing the spread of COVID-19. And unintended consequences included some environmental benefits and uh, some individual benefits like fewer colds and and, uh, flus and things. And yet many people struggled with their mental health and some structural inequalities were further entrenched. So that entanglement means that solutions in one area create problems, uh, can create problems in another. Secondly, um, complexity and change, they come as a package and that's what makes it really hard. Nothing stops while we try and figure it out. So we never have perfect information. But thirdly, and I realize we're getting to the ground floor now, this is the good bit. Um, People are much better than machines at engaging with complexity. We've been doing it our whole lives. And uh, but this is the part that people often leave behind at the office door. Excellent. So there we are. We are we have now reached uh, reception. Um, So but I've got a follow up question, which is, okay. so we we, kind of get a sense of of what it is. But why is it something we should pay attention to? And is it something that's particularly relevant in these what we might call changeable and very liquid times? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, complexity is not something to be scared of. Actually, this is how the world works. It always has. Um, and, 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 and also complexity is useful because it helps us to adapt and innovate when circumstances change. But the reason that we need to pay attention to complexity is because that entangled nature of things I mentioned can create um, ripple effects. And these things can appear and escalate rapidly. So, so think of a social media post that goes viral. This happens really rapidly and really 
spreads very, very quickly. And what happens in those ripples is there's that whole bunch of unintended consequences. They're coming along for the ride in all the things that we're saying and, and, and doing. So, so why do we want to pay attention to it? Because there might be newly emerging opportunities in those, those patterns. And, and we want to we grab onto them before they pass us by. And there might be escalating issues. And, you know, perhaps we want to um, address those when they're relatively small. And I, I think, you know, for, for now, you said, why is it particularly relevant now? I think it's because things really are in flux. I mean, certainly in the in, in the working world as we're um, adapting to changing working conditions, for example, we're trying new things out. And when things are changing, that creates new and unfamiliar patterns. And that's why we've really got to pay attention right now. Okay. So it's really about the, the, the unpredictability of it, that, um, you know, it's, there are so many sort of potential futures um, that, that confront us. And it's trying to sort of weave our way through those and come up with, a, I guess, a kind of working hypothesis. Um, so there's this idea of complexity and uncertainty. It's, it's kind of ca- captured in this term VUCA. And you talk very eloquently about VUCA in the book. So volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous environments. I suspect a number of you know the people listening to this podcast have come across the term, but what what does it really mean, and what implications does it have for how we operate on a day to day basis? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think VUCA has become a bit of a buzzword, and you know people often use it just to refer to oh things are a bit turbulent and unpredictable, as you as you say, um, you know, and if you you haven't come. At, come across it before you know that volatility the v in vuca you know the idea there is change is the only constant um you the the uncertainty that comes from the fact that today is different from yesterday and tomorrow is going going to be different again the complexity as as i mentioned earlier things are entangled we've been talking about that so that means change one thing and you potentially change everything. That's the, the possible futures are changing in the, here and, in the here and now. And the A is for ambiguity. It's really hard to work out what's going on. And we're very unlikely to, to, to agree. And I think, you know, I want to go from buzzword to, to what does that really mean? And in my book, I talk about you can't solve um, VUCA. So, so I think there's a real leadership um, problem and it comes from the fact that volatility means that there's too much happening, too fast to ever take it all in when making a decision. And complexity means that things are so connected, it's never safe to, t- to leave anything out when making a decision. So you've got volatility and complexity, and that's creating that perpetual uncertainty and ambiguity. So I gave it a name, I've called it the the complexity conundrum because I think it reminds us uncertainty and ambiguity, they're not going away anytime 
soon. So, so actually, I think the, the, the challenge for us is learning how to engage with those things much, much better. So, so I guess it's that bind, isn't it? That, um, you know, we, we want to get as much information as we can before we, before we take a decision. Um, but we'll never, ever get really all the information that we need. So the danger is we just kind of procrastinate and nothing gets done. Um, and, but when we do make a decision, you know, we're not, you know, there could be something that we are not aware of that could affect that decision adversely. So it, it, it's kind of wanting to act, but never quite knowing when to act. Um, and it's, you know, we saw this, as you said, you know, happening during the pandemic, but it's just as true of life outside of the pandemic, pandemic um, as it is now. You're absolutely right. Complexity is is relevant in the here and now. It's, it's not a thing from the pandemic. It's just we really noticed it in, in the pandemic. And once you've seen the complexity and the volatility of the world, you can't actually unsee it. And I think, you know, that's where we are uh, now. We, we've seen how complex our working world and our and our, and our world is um Sharon, one of the quotes that you include that i i love is from um george box the statistician and to paraphrase it's you know all models are wrong but some are more useful than others and i think open any book on leadership or change or strategy you're going to be inundated with models and theories and frameworks so does that mean we can just kind of throw them all away? We can take all those management books and just kind of put them in the bin because, you know, they're all wrong. It's an it's an option. But but no, unfortunately, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. So I'm afraid you can't just throw them all away because actually our conceptual models, i.e. how we think the world works, they're also wrong. Um, let me give you an example. So a common conceptual model that many people hold is that businesses are, are, are like machines. So the view is you can tinker with them, you can take a business apart, you can redesign it. And when you put it back together, you have a better machine. But that's that's wrong because a law firm, for example, isn't built from cogs and levers or digital code what actually makes a law firm is a collection of interacting human beings. And we can adapt and innovate in ways that cogs and code just can't. So that kind of conceptual model, how we think the world works is never, is never right. So the, the point I'm trying to, to bring out is, you know, actually we need to understand why models are wrong. So, so some might be factually wrong and, you know, a model of the world that, that uh, neglected gravity wouldn't be that useful. So let's take those out of the, the equation. But then we've got, we're left with some potentially helpful models. They're rigorous, they've been, you know, carefully um, developed. They're all still wrong because they are incomplete. And that's the point. Complexity will always be more complex. There's more detail in the real world than there can ever be in our, our models. They're rough approximations that always leave some something out. It's that complexity conundrum um, that, that we were just, just talking about. And because things are entangled, the bits they, they leave out may turn out to be the things that are really 
important. So, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm not against models actually. I just want us to, to have this idea in mind that all models are wrong, but they can be useful. So a good change model, for example, will draw our attention to some of the things that matter if we want to create change with people. But we can't just follow it slavishly and expect successful change to kind of fall out of the end of the sausage machine because it's not a machine. We just just talked about that. So, so the trick is to use models in the in the plural, but most importantly, the, they're useful if we use them to help us in learning for ourselves in the real world. Don't rely on the models, help them, use them to help your learning. And it, yeah, it, re it reminds me of that, that phrase, you know, no plan survives contact with the, the enemy, that it looks great on paper. But once you put it in, in, into action, you know, that, that sort of unpredictability comes into it and you can't foresee what is going to happen. So you have to be, you have to be adaptable um, and you have to keep noticing. Yeah. Um, which I was going to say is, is another is, is another thing that you a, a key theme of the book is about how we should be better at just noticing what is going on around us. And, and why is that so important? And what kind of things, Sharon, should we be paying attention to? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it follows on from this idea, you know, if we're using models, frameworks, conceptual models to learn for ourselves, um, well, what are we using there? And, you know, the idea of noticing is important because the working world, for example, is not just complex, it's also changing. And so if we're, um, you know, sort of making decisions based on yesterday's data, or well, I've seen this before, therefore I do, I do this, it's a little bit like walking backwards into the in, into the future. So I'm suggesting with noticing, we're turning around, we're looking more deeply into the, the leading edge of the here and now. So noticing is really about gathering data about how um, the world is, is changing in order that we can perhaps see emerging opportunities and issues um, in the patterning of organizational life a little bit sooner so we can grasp them or, or or head them head them off so you know i think that's why noticing is really really important and you know what are we trying to to, to notice I, I you know it's easy to be to become overwhelmed so so i always think it's helpful to look for clues about what's changing and our everyday experience is absolutely full of these clues you know we might pick up energy or excitement in a in a meeting for example or we might hear people mumbling um, about things or we might um, spot growing disconnections between groups working on similar projects this is kind of you know the kind of data that we're all absolutely all exposed to in our everyday experiences of of work and 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 yet a lot of us discount it because not really sure what to do with that sort of qualitative human human data so so actually what I'm suggesting is pay attention to that noticing 
and really focus on engaging with how the patterning is is changing in your world and and even beyond your your immediate immediate world and it's amazing what we can pick up when we pause to notice because we're good at this as human beings but we've been I think conditioned to go that's not real data we can't stick it in a in a chart or on a on a dashboard not yet we can't you know these are weak signals of what's what's changing do you think part of part of it is we get so sort of entrained in kind of the day-to-day routine it's sort of head down we've got things set out in the diary we go from a to b to c to d that we just don't or we just forget to notice we don't even see it it's a bit like you know if you're dri- driving on a familiar journey in a car and you can get from a to b without really being aware of the journey because you are on autopilot so we don't we go through our working lives on autopilot and we just miss this stuff so is it something we should just you know make make time to do is just you know even if it's five or ten minutes a day just spend time you know just jotting down what is it that we are seeing and what that might be telling us yeah i think i think that's a really good way to to do it because because you know the reason that we don't notice what we're noticing is we we do things like we we create projects for ourselves or um you know we we kind of focus on particular particular work and you know we focus on our work it's like putting blinkers on because in that focus we are deliberately um putting our attention on some things and not paying attention to to other things so so i do think it's about being interested about what's going on at the margins of and outside the immediate work that we're, we're we're working on so focusing attention is fine and defocusing is even better thank you um okay so we've been diligent in our noticing we have put a bit of time aside every day to do our noticing we're getting a lot of that um that qualitative data coming through but what comes next what do we what do we do with it what, after we've noticed what happens next yeah well, well well first of all please carry on noticing because you know with complexity and change they they come as a package so things are still still changing so it's not a case of i've done my noticing uh what's what's next so so keep keep noticing but what we're actually trying to do with noticing is is break these kind of automatic responses. So kind of, you know, oh, I'm hungry, I'm going to grab a biscuit or costs, costs are escalating, we'll do another reorganization or we need to stay in touch. Oh, let's have another another meeting. So, so we're trying to break that those kind of automatic habits where we sort of, you know, leap into action based on, you know, this is the way we do things, isn't, isn't it? So what we're trying to do is use our noticing data to help us make choices about what we say and do and so that we can adapt to the specific context and how things are 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 changing so you know rather than kind of you know jumping to conclusions leaping into in in, into action you know we can get trapped in those in those habits and and keep sort of going round and round the loop but not really getting anywhere you know often um we we return to the to the same place so from noticing what we're trying to to focus our attention on is interpreting 
and noticing data. And I, I use that term deliberately. It's a bit looser and more open ended than analyzing because, you know, with interpreting, I think we can accept we'll never be fully right. And, and also it's changing anyway. So interpreting that that means asking, you know, what might this mean? What else might it mean? And I think importantly, holding those interpretations lightly as we test them out by you know, trying them out, actually interacting with people in in the real world. And as we do, we will gain more um, insight in interpretation. And what we're trying to do is adapt to changing patterns and to influence them. So we're going to use our interpretations to perhaps say or do something, something different. And I think, you know, a useful mantra here would be slow down to speed up. Oh, well, I like that. Um, slow down to speed up. Um, and, and it kind of makes me think that this isn't just about the sort of the big macro stuff. But it's just, you know, if you take it down to a, a sort of a micro level, it's just, you know, it's just one meeting. If you speak to different people, they'll all have different interpretations of what of what happens. And it, it's trying to say sort of navigate between those between those interpretations and think, well, OK, there's not necessarily one which is um, which is more right than another. As you say, you know, it's, it's holding those those multiple those multiple perspectives, I guess. Yeah, that's that's so valuable because, you know, if if you're if you're in a meeting and everybody's agreeing with you, then you're not really seeing much of the complexity of the of the world. So you need to get out of there and actually find a few people who who see things differently. You know, what are they seeing? What are they noticing? Um, how are they understanding it that might add to the, the complexity? So, you know, with complexity, it's not about running away from it and being scared of it it's actually about engaging with a little bit more of the complexity and you know if we can find people who will see things differently then we're probably seeing a little bit more of the the nuance of the the, the reality so so difference and and diversity is is really really um genuinely important here Okay, so to to wrap it all up, and it and it does sound a little counterintuitive to talk about complexity in just twenty minutes or so. But what do you think are the three key takeaways? So if you've, we've got someone listening in who's you know sparked a whole chain of thought around complexity thinking, what are the three actions they could take tomorrow to bring a complexity approach into their day to day lives? Yeah, well, we're not starting from scratch because we're already good as human beings in engaging with complexity. So, so the, the, the things are, first of all, get interested and curious about the not quiteness of things. You know, when you come across anomalies, experiences that don't quite fit the model, your mental model, you're often bumping into complexity. Don't discount them. Get interested in, in those Secondly, I think you, you suggested earlier, it's a great idea. Put some time in your diary to, to notice what's, what's changing. You know, what's new, what's different, what's puzzling or surprising or unexpected. And look up and beyond the boundaries of what you're, you're working on. And then finally, as, as we've 
been talking about get other people involved you know we've each got a piece of the the puzzle so ask them what's changing in your world what are you hearing people mumbling about what's getting attention where you are and really look for the the differences in how people see the world so we can build it into our everyday um lives i think Ian, and 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 i think we're not we're building from our experience in the world already Sharon, thank you so much for um, for joining us today um, to talk about this. Um, and yeah, look forward to seeing you soon. Okay, bye. Thank you, Ian.